Welcome back for another episode of the AWG Podcast, where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. They come to relax. Enjoy the beach. Have fun and spend money. And that's where we come in. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. Find out tips on the best ways to market and operate a water sports business. If you're a water sports operator, you need to grow your brand, operate more safely, upgrade your operations, and of course, increase bookings. We're industry veterans broadcasting from Destin, Florida. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. And this is Kevin O'Neill and Greg Fisher. Welcome back to episode 25 of the Awkward Water Sports Guy podcast. I'm here with my good buddy, Kevin O'Neill. Kevin, how you doing? What up, what up? Hey, listen, it's Awkward Water Sports. Sports guys, is it like a double plural? Is it water sports guys? Like one day I was looking at it and I was like, I th- I feel like we've been saying this like on our logo. It says something completely different than what we say. Like I think we're screwing up our own brand and we're preaching to people about how to be good brand ambassadors. I don't even know the difference between water sport, water sport, two words, water sport, plural, non plural. I say it differently every single time, and sometimes I even spell it out differently. So I do too. I guess- I mean, we, we even have, there's even this debate on is water sport one word or two words. So, so if, you, if you're listening today, I, I want you guys to comment on our Facebook page, whether water sport should be one or two words. But I always look at it from an SEO perspective. I don't care if it's one or two words. What are people actually searching in? Just like with jet ski and personal watercraft. I don't use personal watercraft in my ads. I use jet ski because that's what everyone searches. Yep. So it's awkward water sport guys podcast. And that's what it says on the logo too. But isn't water sport inherently plural? Water sports? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say like the sport of football or the sport of renting a pontoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can we can go in a huge rabbit hole on this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you uh, what, I've I've gone to but I've gone to mm-hmm. a, a Buzz Sumo to like look up to certain things. And one day I put in like water sport and and then I did it again like three weeks later. Every time there's something in the news or that's like buzzworthy, it always has to do with somebody pissing on somebody else. Like water sports in the general world, I think means a lot of something that sounds like a com- complete like sexual fetish. But that's not what we're talking about at all, guys. <laughs> It'd be the weirdest fucking podcast if, if we were. Well, let's uh, let's go to talk about our topic. So we had an interview with... Kaylee Lavach of Sassy Tangerine Creative. And Kaylee is a Instagram connoisseur. She's probably... Influencer, Greg. Influencer. Influencer. Okay, we'll say both connoisseur and influencer. But this episode is for those that are really looking to up their game on Instagram or just figure out how to work Instagram because it's a... I mean, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, I, I know people think like social media inherently is easy. You just open it up and post and you're done. But 
the business side of it and you know is it worth your time i mean it's just it's just it's a rabbit hole for me man like <laughs> anything, I don't under, me. anything i i anything i don't understand i inherently don't like so like going right into the show i was like ah fucking instagram man i don't like ah, like i was like god damn it i'm old and i'm like i'm like 42 and she said it too in like the show she was like yeah sexy you know i'm like ah man i'm not i'm not exactly a sex symbol i mean i have mirrors in my house you know so so it's like, and I think so many of us are just like, God damn kids and their Instagram. That being said, I think it is, I think Instagram has some really good funnel properties depending on the products that you're trying to sell. And I think there's a whole niche, like there's a whole funnel. I think that if you ran and could figure out your conversion data on it, I think certain products are going to convert better on Instagram than they are going to on Facebook or Google ads. But I sort of feel like, and I felt like kind of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I, I felt I felt validated that by the time we got done, that's like I like Instagram is as weirdly as it sounds, is still in its infancy. I think as far as a advertising and marketing platform, and I think that it's going to grow as the years go by. So people on the ground floor, I. I hate to say it, like Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's always like, ah, Instagram is the next Facebook and blah, 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 blah. So uh, I think for water sports, there is an audience there uh, that you could convert the hell out of some good stuff if you listen to the things that Kaylee talks about on the show. Yeah, a couple things that I, that I really pulled from this is Facebook and Instagram are not equal. There's no. you, you have to have a different plan for each of them. They don't work the same way. I was really blown away how much manual work you have to do in order to really make Instagram successful. It's not just post a bunch of pretty pictures and they will all come. It's It goes so much deeper than that. And Kaylee really explains some really great tips. I mean, this is stuff that you won't read in a blog or find online. This is stuff from someone who's actually doing it. I think she said six to eight hours a day and really has found a, a sweet formula for it. But I think that's kind of what I pulled most from it is that this is a manual process. And if you do everything right and you stay consistent, you can be really successful. But I'm not going to spoil any more. Let's get right to the interview. Hey, let's 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 learn about hash browns. <laughs> <laughs> all right man let's get awkward all right guys i'd like to welcome kaylee lavach ceo of sassy tangerine creative welcome to the show kaylee hey thanks for having me kaylee take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into social media Sure. So I got my start um, in 2007 when I purchased a, an existing video production company. That kind of took me um, through this road of weddings and learning how to do all that. And through the business ownership, people started seeing what I was doing with my own social media. Maybe five or six years down the road, um, Instagram had just come out and they approached me and said, hey, you're doing so well. I would love if you helped me with mine. And that's been a slow progression over the last probably 10 years of more and more people asking me to speak at conferences and help them figure out their own. And then eventually just fully taking over the social media and marketing for businesses. And so um, after relocating down here, because I was in Nebraska, um, I started a second video production company. And then again, the social media snowballed. So I manage about 15 businesses total 
which equates to like 22 or 23 Instagram accounts, including all of my own. So I've also built To Do and Destin, which when I moved here was um, a way for me to share with other people all of our local events, businesses, things to do around town. And that sort of took on a mind of its own. And I think gave me some credibility with local businesses around here because they were also watching that channel, watching how fast it grew and thought, I think this girl knows what she's talking about. And so that began my passion for Instagram and business. And here we are. Kaylee, tell us a little bit about some of the success you had recently with with some of those Instagram pages, because uh, that's kind of what started our relationship because you've done some work for trip shock and i i just seems curious you know what, what what was the the reason and you said for to do in destin you wanted to feature some things but you have a couple other ones that are really huge in this area and just and tell us a little bit about those yeah so to do in destin was the first one um i started that kind of on a whim by itself i actually didn't tell anybody that it was me for the first two years i wanted to prove i could grow an account completely organically with no friends or family numbers um, from ground zero up. And I did that. Um, We're at 30 some thousand on there. And then as I lived here, kind of figured out we're missing a few other niche accounts. And so I started a Destin, Florida fishing page, which is almost at 10,000. That one's just featuring um, catches, people's fish. Um, And I do have some local charters that advertise on there. And then that spurred um, Crab Island. So we have a huge sandbar down here, which amazing blue water. People love to come here. And there were a few accounts, they just weren't active anymore. And I really saw this huge space where I could be. And I started this Crab Island page, um, very quickly rose up to, I think, 43 or 44,000 right now. Um, But that was when I started working a lot more with TripShock through their fishing charters, through their, you know, boat rentals, parasailing and all of that, because I can really sell on those channels. People trust me. They love the type of stuff I post. And so I have this huge audience that just, you know, wants to ask me questions and thinks I'm this expert that lives here and I can point them in any direction. And so to trip shock, they go. Uh, uh, Kaylee, how do you, um, so obviously this can become really labor intensive, uh, managing all these different accounts. Like what's, uh, what, what is your secret for content? for capturing content like you're obviously not out there every day on a jet ski or down at the docks taking care of uh or uh, taking pictures of fish so where do you get your content from so i spend a lot of time engaging and running through things that have been posted and tagged in destin either through hashtags or location tags Um, and they're on instagram is a little save ribbon in the bottom right corner of every photo and so if I'm on an account and I'm scrolling through and I see a fish photo, I'll tag, you know, I'll like it, engage with it and click the save button. So what that does is when I open my phone, like this morning, I'm going to open my phone and look at Instagram. What should I post today? I can go to my saved tab and see all the photos that other people have posted that fit my niche. And I can screenshot and repost and give credit to the original poster. And so in this, in this industry of tourism, um, we're lucky because tourists want to share their memories on social. So that's free content for us to be able to repost. Um, Clearly you want to get their permission before doing so by sending them a message or leaving a comment. But um, I've never had an issue with someone not wanting their content to be shared. And I think that that saves a user or a business quite a bit of time because I don't have to create every single piece of content. I can just reshare what's already out there. One of the reasons why we picked this topic is because we get so many people that don't necessarily understand 
what the value is of Instagram. Obviously, you post, people share, they they like things, but really understanding the, I guess, the ROI. And this is something I personally have struggled with being a, a larger brand. Uh, at least I, I want to believe I have a, a large <laughs> a large brand in the, in the eyes of the consumer, maybe in the business world we do, but in the eyes of the consumer, which that's where I, I believe that that's where Instagram really is focusing on. And I, I mean, what do you tell people that say, man, I, I just think Instagram's a big waste of time. I mean, I, I post, I, I, it takes me a lot of time getting content um, and I'm just not seeing the business from it. I mean, I can't quantify it. What do you what do you tell people when they when you when they say this to you? I I love this question because I'm a firm believer that Instagram is worth the time and it can work for almost every single business out there, um, with the exception of probably a few non-sexy ones, um, you know, that just make it more difficult for you to find your content. But overall, just having a strategy and I guess changing the way you think about it because it's not the same as Facebook. People on Instagram don't want to be sold to. And I think a lot of business owners want to post a special or they want to post something and then get a phone call today. And we have to change the way we think about the Instagram platform because it's really not that sort of social media. It's more of a brand awareness tool. And so while you may not see results now, you'll see them in the future if you're consistent with it. So, you know, it's hard to know without seeing the business or talking to them specifically what they're doing, quote unquote, wrong. Um, But it could be anything from, you know, they're posting the wrong type of content, being too salesy. Um, Maybe they need better captions. Maybe their bio is not built out. So people don't really fully understand what they do. So they can't buy from them. Um, Maybe they're not engaging at all. There's a variety of things I think that people are missing if they feel like it's not working for them. But the biggest thing is probably just to change their mindset from a sales tool immediately to more brand awareness where you're going to see the results in the future. Like right now, people's planning spring break and summer. I'm not going to see their business until summer, but they've started following and looking and planning right now. Let's talk about engagement because you said some things in our pre-show that were really interesting of, of what you do to try to drive engagement on some of your pages. So walk us through like, you know, what are what are some of the things that that Kaylee does? Um, so being in such a tourist market, um, trying to gain traction locally is so much easier than doing something nationwide. So if your target market is local in your city, they want to come rent from you um, or book your service, it's really easy to target people while they're here. And you can do that through the location tag. That lives above your photo um, underneath your handle. So there it should be your name, your location, and then your photo. Um, I will click that location. So Destin, Florida, Miramar Beach, all of the surrounding areas. And I will like and comment on the photos that are in this area specifically. So what that does is it puts my business name in front of a consumer who says, oh, to do in Destin. I'm in Destin. I wonder what that is. And they click on it. Now they're on my page. So I'm already halfway there because I've gotten them to my account. Once they see the value that I provide on my account, then they click the follow. So that's a great way that I've grown these accounts um, tremendously. And you can do the same thing through the Destin Florida hashtag. Um, There's quite a few of those. My to-do and Destin hashtag took on a life of its own. And there's a ton of photos on there to engage with. Um, I try to do this regularly. Really 10 minutes a day will do wonders for your account. Um, The tourists will wake up in the morning and post their photos from yesterday. 
and you can engage with all of them um, just to get your name in front of them. I also look for large influencers, celebrities, people who um, are here and posting about, so maybe they went fishing or maybe they're at Crab Island and I try to hijack that post. And what I mean is I'll go through the comments on those large, those large posts. So if they have 100, 200, 300 comments, I'll scroll through those. I'll like the comments. I'll leave a reply to the comment. And that, again, puts my name right in front of more consumers. And then they're on my page saying, wow, I love Crab Island. Why am I not following this page? And I do that with phishing charters. I mean, you you can get yourself in front of all these people, but that's how you make Instagram work for you is by getting yourself in front of the audience. I'm always big about conversion data. So you mentioned like you mentioned two things that like to me they're like they they're, they don't juxtapose well. So you said sexy, and then you said fishing charters. So I think of, <laughs> so I'm just I'm sorry, but I think of like like I think of like a fat dude like man, I want to meet my buddies, want to go fishing, and they're like not, a they're not sexy, and two those guys I just don't see on Instagram now. I mean, school me and correct me and show me where I'm I'm missing this point here. But I just like so I see different I see different funnels on different platforms, and I see different funnels converting better on different platforms. So let's say that I think I think fishing charters is a fantastic thing. So if you're like if you're pushing like a bachelorette party, like I look at like Instagram as like yeah, that's where I want to connect with those people. But I mean, fishing charters are there men, and and I mean. I mean, guys that look like me, not guys that look like Instagram, sexy Instagram models. But if I'm going charter fishing and I'm 42 years old, like, I don't know. So, so what's up on the chart? Tell me charter fishing. So basically what I'm saying is, is I'm just illustrating like something weird. You know what I mean? Something that you wouldn't think is like going to convert really well. If your target market is like, again, 40 year old men. And I could be wrong on that. I'm not a charter fisherman. So no, for sure. So let's change the way that you think about that. Just like Instagram. So you, as the the fisherman, you and your buddies go out fishing. None of you use Instagram. You don't care about it. That doesn't mean that photos won't get posted. You have charter captains. You have first mates. You actually have a photo company at the dock waiting for you to get back and take these photos of you with your fish. So what I do is I go through every fishing charters as well as the Destin hashtag, but I'm looking for photos that are visually appealing. So if it's blown out on the boat, if the fish is, you know, really tiny, you can barely see it. Or if there's blood all over the deck, I'm not looking for those. I'm looking for happy smiles, huge fish, people having the time of their life because I'm not necessarily selling the fishing charter. I'm selling the experience on the boat. And outside of 40-year-old men, there are families that go out. There are moms that want to take their kids. So it's figuring out what content is going to appeal to the audience while still actively capturing, you know, your demographic. So I'm trying, I'm trying to make it more sexy, let's say. <laughs> so I'm with that. Um, and, uh, so, so, but my question is, is so when you're looking at customer types and you're looking at, again, like I know with destiny with my company, I go after a certain type of company, right? So our, a certain type of customer type, I, I target, you know, when I look at my Google analytics and I look at my Facebook and cause I'm a, I'm an, I'm a dummy when it comes to Instagram. I don't, I don't know Instagram. You know, you can see me, the audience can't see me, but you're not going to see this face on Instagram. You know, <laughs> you're just not. Uh, but so I looked at my cost, I look at my customer type and 
And so is there any backend data to sort like other than seeing who's liking or commenting, like is there like is there backend, is there analytics for Instagram where you can like actually put these customer types into silos and get that data on them? Like who's looking at what men, women, age, demographics like that? So if you have a business account, it does come with analytics and it will tell you the demographic of those following you. So you're able to see once you've converted them to a follower, if they're male, female, what their age range is, where they live, um, you know, and it'll give you some of that. But as far as like who's on the platform or who you're targeting, you could do that through the ads, but not on your actual account backend, if that makes sense. No, no, no. It, it makes a ton of sense. And and I mean, I think that there's enough, there's enough data there. I mean, if you were to, and again, this is just me, like I'm just freestyling in my brain here, but so like realistically, you could probably create like multiple like Greg, instead of just having like a trip shock Instagram account, you could probably have 10 different accounts then correct, like with all the different products as an OTA that you offer as me as a rental, I have four, I could have like destiny kayaks, destiny paddleboard, destiny, whatever. And then you could see like the differences in those demographics who are liking and following on each one, correct? Correct. If you had the time and energy to put into 10 accounts versus one, you absolutely could. I, I think it's a good question. Uh, you know, Kaylee, what, at what point does your company decide, let's say you had five locations and, and uh, across five different cities. At what point do you say you need to consolidate the brand into one account or have five separate ones? Because I can see having separate ones because some people might never go to the other locations, but at the same time, they might. So, uh, And then you got to think that five times the work having five accounts. So what do, you, what do you typically do in those situations? I mean, this can go a number of different ways. Um, I, I am a fan of different accounts for different locations if it's a completely different city. You know, if it's like Destin and Miramar Beach where they are so close, they could be the same city. Not necessarily. But, um, you know, if you're in North Carolina and in Florida and in Alabama, the reasoning being your the, the demographic of those areas, it is so much easier to grow an account with a local following than it is to try to get them to cross borders. And I think Greg is experiencing that with the TripShock account. Having locations in so many different areas, it's hard for people to want to follow that. Because if I've never been to New Orleans, but that's you're posting, you know, stuff from Bourbon Street and whatever, I'm not, I don't have an interest in that, even though I'm in Destin and you're also here. So I can see the value in splitting them in that case. It also allows you to, um, depending on the type of business, the account in every city, say it's ran by one of your employees it gives people the opportunity to meet the staff and to that account to show off things of that specific city where you may not be able to do that if you have two, three, four locations in different states. The same reason, like I said, if I'm in Destin and you're posting Bourbon Street, I would be like, I may not want to follow that. And then I'm out and now you've lost me as a follower. So I see a lot of value. Yeah, I feel like that's the reason why we're struggling as a brand to promote our Instagram because we cross promote different destinations. And I think majority of our customer base wants Northwest Florida. Mm -hmm. So when they start seeing Clearwater, Key West, North Carolina, South Carolina, New Orleans, I think we we just lose our, our audience mm -hmm. and we're not gaining any traction. I mean, and I can feel the same way. Like there's some air destinations that I'm very passionate about. I like to see content from and you know, if I'm starting to see stuff that places that I'll, I'd have no interest in going to, 
eventually I'm going to be like, I can only consume so much content in a day. And I think a lot of people are experiencing this. Like how many times do I unfollow people that, that let like me on LinkedIn or follow me like salespeople? Like I, I try to bring everybody in, but I, I have like three or 4,000 connections that I can't consume all of their shares and posts. I have to curate in some way or fashion because it's just not possible. And people that are, especially in their, have been on social media for 15, 20 years, uh, the you know older millennials, they have so many connections, so many brands are following. They have to make a decision who they're going to give their time to. And I think that's, I guess like with Instagram, that's gotta be a struggle for, for companies is how do I make it to where they, we, they're able to get the time from their users. Yeah. And, and half the battle too, is that, um, you know, like I said earlier, people on Instagram don't necessarily want to be sold to. So for you to be able to build a rapport with your clientele and your followers on there before they want to buy something from you, you're, it's an extra struggle for you because you're trying to just keep them on the platform as one without losing them when you start posting other cities. And then two, you're still trying to kind of reel them in slowly. Like, you know, we're the best fit for you. You're trying to do both. And I think it's, it's such a struggle for, you know, what you're trying to do in all these different markets. Mm -hmm. It it feels like it's a, it's a huge numbers game with Instagram and, and that I always feel like Instagram is really like a top, a top of funnel uh, type of like acquisition channel brand recognition. So uh, uh, Kaylee, I, I, man, it is so hard. Like, I gotta like block your name because I want to look at that and call you Callie so bad. Like, it's like I'm like ah ah ah, it's driving me nuts. Like, Lee, man, they, why did Tupac have to go and do make that damn song? Huh? Tell me about it. <laughs> it was Kaylee. Everybody knew that, and then Tupac comes along, screws it up for everybody. Yep. Um. <laughs> anywhere i can like segue tupac into a uh, an interview i love it like any chance i get like have you learned tupac's new album like i've been dead for like 20 years um yeah uh so i, w- I want to like kind of like take a turn here so i know being in the in the business to business space that that instagram is notorious for having like just man i don't know i how do you how do you separate what you do which is you know, clearly you're like building organic following and engage audience from, from like the snake oil salesman, like, yo dog, let me blow up your Instagram page, like with fake, like buying likes and shit like that. And, and bots that follow and, you know, ha- having your brand get like attacked by all these, like, Hey buddy, good job. Thumbs up. Like all these <laughs> like weird, like from Nigerian shit. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think everybody that's on Instagram has seen those before. Yeah. Um, I focus a lot on the local area, like I said. So if I start seeing accounts that, um, you know, have different have different languages that don't live here, that you know, clearly aren't a real person, um, I'm trying to remove those right away. Whether that be a comment, a follow, um, you know, any sort of activity from them, they'll send messages to. I I want those off of there. I want to get rid of them as quick as possible because I don't want Instagram to say uh, she's a little spammy. She's got some stuff going on. You know, I want to get rid of them immediately. Point is we can't, we can't have these fake numbers on there as a vanity metric because it doesn't do anything but hurt the account. So if you're trying to grow and get some stuff in here, get some, get some more engaged followers, 
buying numbers as a vanity metric isn't going to do anything for you. On the flip side, where I'm I'm trying to not be the spammy person, there are simple rules that you can follow as a business, like don't be the business that gets on once a week and dumps 10 photos in a row. So that when I'm scrolling, I'm seeing all 10 photos at once, that that's going to, people are going to unfollow you. Instagram isn't for a photo album, it's for a single post or two. So if you need to post more than once, twice a day would be my absolute max, unless you happen to have, you know, 4 million followers where you could post 10 times a day and it would be okay. But the average person should never post more than once a day because you will be spammy and just don't, don't have spammy behavior. Don't do to other people what they're doing to you. Like don't leave the spammy comments and, you know, reach out with a sales pitch and a DM before you even connect with them at all. The moment they follow you just have some, it's just human decency and just the same way you would slow play your marketing a little bit. That's how I feel about Instagram. It's kind of like a tread lightly platform at first until they're following you for a little bit and then they get to know you. And then it's a little bit easier to make that sale. You know, maybe one post that's more salesy and then five or six that are just brand awareness, check out our cool boat, look at this family, parasailing, having a great time, that sort of stuff. So what's not, what's a non-sexy product for Instagram? You said that and it like (laughs) sparked a light bulb, like plumbing or garbage retrieval? (laughs) Roofers. I think insurance would be a tough sell. I've seen some really bad dental accounts, like dentist. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be on there because I think that the right social media manager could find a way to make that work for them. But it's going to be a much bigger challenge than, hey, look at me in this beautiful tourist market with palm trees and sunshine and where everybody wants to be. <laughs> so you said dentist and somebody sent me a picture and uh, it was this guy and he's like smiling and he's missing his front tooth. He's like with his family. <laughs> and, and it just says, um, uh, look, you didn't even notice this guy was missing an eyebrow and he didn't have an eyebrow. <laughs> and then it's like, see how important your smile is. And it's like, whatever, dentistry. And I was like, Oh, like I bow down to your marketing greatness because I totally don't notice that the guy's missing a fucking eyebrow. And I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. But but to to, to your point though, I, I do agree. I think that like if you're if you're creative and you can make a if you can make your if you can connect your message uh with a with a photo and you can sort of like think outside the box in terms of like shit that works like because because it can really be anything of like you're a roofer you could show like a real shocking hurricane picture or i mean there's all sorts of ways you can engage people visually and it can, it can probably be anything so i i agree with you what your your, your onset your statement about uh every business should be on instagram and there's a place for every business on there i i, com- I completely agree with you but i was just wanted i wanted to come to mind like what a, what a nonsense <laughs> when you said that like, sexy and that's like i think like this man and like my oldness is like what like makes me like I get like the oh, goddamn kids get off my lawn like when I look at Instagram <laughs> get out of here with your your bathing suits and your crab island leave me alone with your happy youthful demeanor I'm gonna be old <laughs> and not understand this. <laughs> we had a, a listener question, and uh, I'm going to give a shout out because he's been a really good listener, Luxa from Croatia. And he had uh, a couple things, questions about reels and stories, but I'm going to uh, focus more on his question about tagging. And how do you get the most out of hashtagging? And where do you go to research them? So I'll start um, with the research one. If you use the search bar actually on Instagram, you can type in like your city, and then see what 
else is populated after that. So it's it's very similar to Google when you start typing in the search bar and Google says, oh, did, is this what you're searching for? And it auto-populates. You can look in the Instagram app and see what hashtags people are using. It will tell you how many posts are attached to that hashtag. And that's probably my favorite way to do it. I'll also go back to those bigger accounts, um, large influencers or large local followings. A lot of times your news network and things like that have them. Um, and I will look and see what hashtags they're using. Try to add some of those, work those in. As far as getting the most out of that strategy, there's a lot of theories around this and a lot of talk. But what personally works for me, I like to keep it around 15 to 20 hashtags. And I really find that local ones work best for me. So like hashtag city state. So hashtag Destin Florida. Um, and then the variations of that. So hashtag Destin FL, hashtag Destin, mine, hashtag to do in Destin. I like to use ones that have between 5,000 and 100,000 posts attached to it. If you are hashtagging things like, you know, hashtag boat ride or hashtag coffee, and they have 4.2 million posts attached to that, what that means is that your post gets posted. And then within seconds, it's so far down the line that no one will ever see it from that hashtag. So if you find ones that are attached to photos, 5,000, 10,000, 50,000, when you post your photo, it's going to live up on the top of that feed for probably a couple weeks, at least in the first few scrolls, letting more people find you that way. So I think a lot of people miss it because they start hashtagging these very broad words, you know, hashtag I love water, like water sports, things <laughs> that just things that just are way too broad that no one would click on. You want to try to be more localized because that's where your audience is. That's that's also a part of telling Instagram like, hey, this is where my business is. I'm using this location tag. I'm using these hashtags. Show my account to people in this area because this is where I'm at. So I got a follow up question to that. Now, when you hashtag, I noticed that there is the you can view everyone that that has posted with that hashtag, and then you can see the top post. Mm -hmm. And my guess is that for some of your bigger Instagram accounts, you're probably in the top post every time you hashtag, which is great because you get a lot more exposure. But most of us are going to live in the recently. Re yeah, which is probably not getting, I think, as many eyeballs or am I wrong? So I, I guess, I mean, when you're a newer account, would you suggest going after the ones you're more likely to, to be on a top post? Or do you say to continue using that strategy for the 5,000 to 100,000? And just you might just hit that right, that right virality with your post where you're going to be put in there. So how do you how do you advise? I think that the photos that live in the top post, um, it, it is pulled based on likes and comments, but it's also pulled based on how big the actual account is. So um, most of us are all going to live in that recents tab. I have noticed now more with um, reels and video stuff that more and more people are getting in that top tab that I wouldn't have necessarily thought previously would. So I don't think it's out of the question, but I think a lot of people click the recent tab more than you would think, mostly because if they're here and they're here right now, they want to see what's happening in town right now. So if they're hash if they click hashtag Destin Florida, they're going to click the recent just to see what's coming up. You know, did I miss an event? Is there something coming up tonight? Did someone post a happy hour special? Different stuff like that versus the top post where they could have missed that two weeks ago and it's irrelevant to them because they weren't here then. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. So I, I wanted to touch back on something you mentioned earlier. It's something I've I've uh, not like looked into for myself, but I've just researched it. Is influencer marketing. So being that Instagram 
it seems as though like a back end for business. It's like you really got to know what you're doing. It's sort of I don't want to say I don't want to use the word clunky, but it's like there's not a lot of like hard metrics and data. You know, from the business end, I mean, obviously with ads, it's a little bit more robust. But uh, what I mean to say is, is like when you're trying to measure your ROI on Instagram, it feels as though, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the influencer marketing is is a it, it's tough to like. How do you say like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to give person A ten grand or twenty grand or fifty grand or whatever it is to highlight this product. And there's so many holes in all that data. It's it's like really hard to go like, all right, is this the person the right fit for my brand? How does my product sell being attached to this person? The people that are following them, again, like back to the sort of analytics of the demographic that you're going after, like it seems like you have to have like solid market research to invest that money. And some people are just going like, well, I'm just going to give my skin cream to... uh that what was her name bad bobby or whatever you know what i mean i mean like shit like that but if if you're trying to like really get like go deep in the weeds on this and you go well ah, i got this product and i want to get it in front of more eyes like like where is that that cost benefit analysis and how do you sort of like make a data driven decision based on what you should invest in who you should invest in when it comes to influencer marketing yeah, so you're right that it's very clunky. It's very hard to know what your ROI is on something like that. There's also a lot of, I'll call it gray space between, you know, you could pay the influencer and send them a product or put them on a boat and then they'll never never fulfill the last half of their agreement. And there, you really, I mean, outside of a contract, you have no leg to stand on. And I've heard it the other way. I've heard influencers doing the entire campaign and promotion and the business not paying them either. So it's very, it's a very big gray area. And so my kind of stance on this is, um, and it's why a lot of the larger companies have moved to what they call micro influencers. So if someone has 300,000 followers and you're trying to book in your city or your market, they wouldn't be a good fit from my point of view because their listen or their followers are spread out all over the country, could be all over the world. They may never have any plans to travel to the destination that you're working in to sell your product or service. So those type of influencers work well for products that could be shipped nationwide. It's still very hard to track, but as opposed to like, you know, using myself as an example. So I have, you know, 30,000 on to do and Destin, but those are pre-qualified leads that actually love Destin. They've been here. They've bought here. They are planning their vacation here. Maybe they live here. They are actually tied to this area. And that is the same on my personal page because a lot of them moved over from To Do and Destin to follow me personally. Um, so 10,000 on my personal and I would be considered a micro influencer. So um, coming to someone like me means that my audience is way more qualified than the person who has 300,000 but lives down the street from me. Her audience may not give you the same sort of traffic that mine will. And I, my favorite way to track conversions and sales is through the affiliate links. So the way that um, I work with TripShock. So I can send links to these people when they're ready to book a pontoon or a parasailing trip and say, here's the link, go ahead and book it. And then I get the email confirmation that they booked. And it's, I mean, that's trackable. That's a paper trail, but it's not throwing money ahead of the game before I do anything for them. It's kind of like that give and take of, I still have to put in the work if I want to get, you know, my cut of the sale. So it is a big gray area, but that's kind of like 
where I prefer to live in that influencer space. Kaylee, do you think that uh, influencer marketing is moving more to an affiliate marketing model just because you have a little more control and it's, you know, it, it, I guess it makes sense. I mean, for, for me, um, we have a handful of uh, you know, influencers like yourself that, that work on our affiliate program. We've tried, you know, I got you, spending, I got you. <laughs> yeah, Kevin has a trip shock shirt on. It's, I love it. Um, but, but really uh, we've tried influencer marketing. We, we, you know, would throw a hundred dollars and, and get, and get some posts. And obviously the post does well for that moment. And we do get a lot of eyeballs on it. We get some follows, but it, it really, it needs to be a full campaign if you're going to do it right. It can't be like one post and you're done. And I don't, I just don't think some businesses are ready to go the distance on, on a, a campaign like that. It, because with Instagram or just social media, so much content is consumed. It's like, one minute you're looking at something and the next minute you're totally in into something else. And I, I like now if you're doing something with the, you know, the Jenners and the Kardashians, man, they they talk about one thing and they got millions and millions of followers and it goes extremely far. And uh, they got like loyal people who, who use their products. But when you're talking like micro influencers, it's very much short lived. And I, I think it's from an influencer perspective, you know, they're going to want to see promote things that have a likelihood of being purchased. They don't want to have to deal with the communication from from business to business and working out deals or or just a disappointment. I understand what the situation is when I'm doing influencer marketing. I know what to expect. But my guess is that Kaylee's had some clients in the past where probably expected a lot more uh, from the promotions. And it's just disappointing that you have to have those conversations afterwards. And, and you know, even though the reality is people do not consume content uh, the way that we think they do. It's like one into the next. Everything is very fast paced. Yeah, I find that a lot with a business who will come to me on To Do and Destin and want, you know, a free feature or one free post. And I have to kind of explain to them like one free post or one posting isn't going to do that much for you. You may get a few follows that go over from that one post, but in terms of making it worth your time um, and even an investment, it needs to be like, you know, a three to five post campaign at least. And preferably with me personally being that using that content or creating that content so that it's my face because that gives it that extra stamp of loyalty like oh wow she did this or she booked this versus just resharing like a boat in the water personally so it's important when you're in that space of looking to do something like that that you kind of pre-qualify the influencer like we talked about with the following but also you know the loyalty of their followers and how engaged their people are and asking them questions and things like that but it truly is going to take you know a long-term campaign before you see the results that you're probably hoping to get from just one post yeah and just to follow up you have affiliate relationships with probably other water sport companies i'd imagine because i mean Kevin Fair Harbor does affiliate marketing. Like you can give a link to folks. And so does Peak Pro because I have a couple of those. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at people listening, I'm sure they're using a reservation software. Most of them are just, just because you're, you're, if you're not with TripShock, you may, heck, you look at your reservation software, you probably have some type of mechanism to work with influencers. And, and, you know, so let's actually, let's talk about that a little bit more. You know, Kaylee, you know, you, you have, some really great Instagram accounts and you're already doing affiliate marketing. How do you recommend water sport owners approaching uh, influencers when it comes to selling their affiliate program? 
Like what are the, some of the things that you're going to be looking for when they contact you? Um, I'm probably first going to research them myself. So I'm going to go to their own social media, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, um, do they have a YouTube? And then I'm going to check out their website. I'm going to look and see how easy it is for the user to navigate it, to get the information that they need. Um, because I, I want to know that the people that I work with, if I'm posting about them and it's, engaging my audience. They're excited. They see this excursion they want to do. They click through to the Instagram page to the business. I need to know that once I send them there, I did my part. Now I need the business to do their part and capture that lead or capture that person. So sure, I can send them the affiliate link and they can book right from my page. But most of my audience is social savvy. So they're going to do their research on this this business before they book it. Um, and so if you have a dead Instagram that has three posts and you last posted in 2016, I probably wouldn't take your affiliate link. And that's based solely on the reason that I want my audience to be able to research the business as well and know that that's going to be a good fit for them. I do try to pre-qualify. So I will say like, if somebody asks me for a boat rental, I ask questions. How many people? Is it a family? Is it a bachelorette party? Tell me more about your trip. What time of year are you coming? And that's how I kind of decide which way I'm going to send them. Um, but I think that that business, it has to work for my parameters. And it's not to say that every influencer is like that, but I would like if they came to me, you know, with this full scope of media or social media done and ready, as well as a very easy to use website. Um, but I'm always open to talking to everybody. And then um, the next step would be to negotiate a percentage that we were both comfortable with on those sales on that link. So I got a, I have a business idea that just came to me. <laughs> I'm thinking about being an affiliate marketer for unsexy shit, like preparation H. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably grow that very virally. Let's do it very quickly. Let's see what we can make happen. <laughs> Viral and preparation H is really gross sounding. I'm just gonna, <laughs> you just helped me move my unsexy influencer marketing strategy that that much further <laughs> i'm glad i could help and dropping business bombs on the awg podcast <laughs> kaylee uh in the pre-show we talked about you know what are the qualities that make up a great social media manager like if you're going to hire uh, companies like yourself like you know what what are what are some of like the few things that you're like okay we know that this person's gonna do a good job for us because of x so i'm gonna start this by saying there are a very good percentage of social media managers who just want to take your check and post every day or a couple times a week and then never do anything else for you. And that would be my last choice of outsourcing it because a real, a true social media manager who understands the platform, they're going to ask you for a plan and a strategy. I want to know what your goals are through social. Are you trying to grow to 10,000 followers? Is that really your ultimate goal? Are you trying to get people in your door? Are you trying to sell more of a specific item? Talk to me about what you're needing social media for and how you feel about it, because I want to be able to take what you said about your business and create or find content that directly represents that goal and that that product or service. So ones, the good ones are going to ask you for more of a strategy and kind of get to know you on a deeper level before they take on your account. And also, I would want to see other accounts they've worked on. I'd want to like look at the type of visuals they were posting and how the account looks. And I would want to know their average growth per month. Because if you have accounts growing by 500 every month, maybe those are fake followers. 
Most of mine grow between 100 and 200 a month organically, but at any moment you can go to your followers and check and see that they're all actual legit people that could spend money with you versus overseas accounts or fake bots that are just going to live there and do nothing and provide no value for you. So, you know, I would always say to get a referral too. I'm a fan of asking around, you know, who do you recommend for social or who have you heard good things about or who does a good job Um, and pre-qualify them that way because I run into a lot of people who have been paying for social and saying it's such a waste of money because I don't see any return from it, but they're paying, you know, $100 a month for a girl to just post and not do anything for them. So the other half of my job is to engage and to grow and to see your numbers increase and raise and work together on that so that you're you're getting your ROI, you're getting people in your door, you're getting compliments on your social, people are noticing. That's the goal. So you're saying that like the guy from Nigeria who's got nothing more than Gary V quote <laughs> is a bad choice for my social. <laughs> <laughs> I'm popping bottles, I mean, yo. Sure. <laughs> give, it, give it a shot. Throw some money at it. See what happens. So you're saying Fiverr is not the place to go to to get a social media manager. <laughs> no, it's probably not. And the other thing too is that, you know, hiring somebody in Indiana to manage your social in sunny Florida, sure, it could be done, but it's they don't know the market. They don't know who to connect with and engage with. You know, I spend a lot of time connecting my clients to other local businesses. Um, you know, we discuss events and we partner on things and we try to grow back and forth because we share the same demographic. Like I'm always just, I'm just confused when people hire companies in LA or Indiana or New York and they don't know anything about Florida. You know, they're posting, it's a bright sunny day and it's raining outside. Like it's, it, it needs, you, there needs to be some local connection. That's how, that's my personal feeling. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I just got a comment on the most bizarre trifecta, New York, <laughs> LA, Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> the true social media hub of the country. And I didn't even use Nebraska, and that's where I'm from. Oh, Indiana oh won out God, today. That was awesome. I'm sorry, Greg. I know you wanted to jump in there with a real question, but I got <laughs> I got to I got to keep it. What's it it's uh it's oh shit, sassy. I got to keep it sassy. I want to give you a little brand. Sassy, sassy tangerine. I was going to say spicy, but that would mean <laughs> spicy tangerine. Gross. Yeah. So we're 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 going to uh wrap it up here in a moment, but I do have one one question that just kind of escaped me from earlier. Is there any argument to sending sending messages to you know users on Instagram and saying hey I noticed you follow X page I think you might really like my content like a personalized message I know we're talking like manual work but it sounds to me like you're going to need to do some manual work anyways when it comes to Instagram but is there an argument to that strategy to gain followers uh, because I, I people tell me that that's what they do and they seem to have success with it but. I don't know. I think that's a double-edged sword because you risk, for lack of a better term, pissing someone off or annoying them because people don't want unsolicited DMs in their Instagram page the same way that you don't want to get an MLM message in your Facebook messenger from someone you haven't talked to in 15 years. And because Instagram is more about brand awareness and building those connections with people, I personally would leave comments on their photos before I would send them a message because that's going to allow people to find you on their own time. So, oh, you know, Tripshot commented, I've never heard of them. And they're going to click through to see your page. And at that point, they'll decide if they want to follow you or not. And you could still leave a comment a few more times. And then, you know, you may you may hook them on the third time. It's that, you know, we need to be repeat exposure for marketing. You know, I need to touch you seven times or whatever the stat is these days because we're 
7,000 ad messages, you know, every 10 minutes. But I'm not a fan of that aggressive, quote unquote, sort of marketing. I would prefer a comment on my post so that I could check you out at my leisure more than a DM. Stop sliding up into people's <laughs> DMs, bro. It's super cringe. That's what I, That was my research before we did this show. I was like, what do millennials say? Super cringe. Super cringe. <laughs> Sliding up in the DMs. I was like feel weird. Like when I see that little fucking paper plane or whatever, and somebody sent me a message via Instagram, I'm instantly like, oh, fucking what third world country is this guy? And it's like somebody like it's weird. It seems like almost like uh, like fax jokes, like what people do that shit. You know what I mean? Like send you like a weird thing and like Instagram. Like I, I'm just I guess I'm like crossing this like Rubicon of sorts where I'm starting to see like like when you talk about Instagram and like and we talk about like top of funnel, I mean, immediately start like putting it as like oh that's like sort of like a billboard or when we talk about like like we talk about uh we had one episode we talk about like rat card flyers so i start like taking like everything almost sometimes in the 21st century feels like it has it just has like a repackaged like oh we've already sort of been doing this you know like television commercials and radio like like everything in the 21st century has been like repurposed now and i, I don't know i'm just i guess i'm it's kind of weird. I see like, e- remember you guys remember like email jokes and then like back in the day, people like there was like texting jokes. Like when people like text me memes, I'm like, bro, what are you 80 fucking years old, man? Why are you, don't you have a fax machine that you could possibly send this to me from? Like, I don't know. Anytime I see like a message in my DMs on Instagram, I'm like, ah, oh, what's this fucking bullshit? <laughs> speak so to Kaylee. my ordinary old <laughs> sorry <laughs> no. so Kaylee uh, I, I just want to uh, thank you again for coming on the show and, and talking to us about Instagram I personally learn so much every time uh, I, I talk with you and I'm sure all our listeners are going to learn a lot too so uh, tell us a little bit about how uh, folks can reach you if they have any questions or even if they maybe want to hire you. Yeah, you can um, jump on my website. So I just launched that. It's sassytangerine.com. That has um, a scope of my services, things I can offer. Um, there's a contact form and an email on there too. Or you can find me on social, look up to do in Destin and see what I'm doing over there. Maybe you'll find some tips and tricks just based on the type of content or the captions. But I would love to connect with you. You can you know, send me an email, Kaylee at Sassy Tangerine. It's C-A-L-I. Thank you, Tupac. (laughs) But yeah, I'm happy to chat, even answer questions. And I do also do like a one-on-one consult. So if you need a deep dive into your social media or your Instagram and really, you know, want me to give you some advice and kind of turn that around, but let you still handle it. That's kind of my favorite thing to do is the teaching and educating and helping people get better at their own social. I love how when I asked the question on our Facebook page, for for just people to submit questions for the show, one person submits his phone number and says, "I need you to call me to talk about my social." And I'm just like, "Okay, well, oh, well great." God, I, saw that shit. <laughs> I almost deleted it, dude. I, I didn't want to like hate on your on your sales. I'm like, call this motherfucker and then let me erase this. Well, I, I mean, he could have just asked like all the questions and we could have talked to him. But anyways, yeah, I just thought it was funny. But you might be getting a client right there. You might be. You gave me getting two because I realized it's a valuable tool, and and I clearly am fucking way disconnected from that shit you know what i mean i'm so anti-fucking instagram not against it but i just mean not like ah god so much like i'm yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna hit you i'm gonna slide up in your dms girl <laughs> on that okay i'll be watching one-on-one consult game <laughs> kaylee thanks again for uh coming on the show and as always everybody keep it awkward You've been listening to the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. 
If you're in the water sport industry, this is the podcast that brings the business perspective to parasailing, jet and ski boat rentals, sailing, snorkeling, and everything else. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Be sure to sign up to our email list at watersportpodcast.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators, to continue the conversation. See you next time.